The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241, or you can email radio at bnntv.org. Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live Studios in Eggleston Square, where tonight on the Boston Neighborhood Network, well, we'll continue our coverage of election 2023. Of course, uh, this year's city council races, uh, there's a prelim only in three districts, including District 3, which uh, covers a, a good part of Dorchester and a little part of the South End. That's an open seat that Frank Br Baker is uh, giving up, and it has drawn numerous candidates, including my guest tonight, Jennifer Johnson. She is an activist from the Meeting House Hill neighborhood, and we'll talk with her more about why she got in this race and how she hopes to win it. All that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhoods. All right, we're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host. Tonight, we continue our coverage of election 2023, including the race, the race for the open seat in uh, District 3. That is a Dorchester seat uh, that was briefly redrawn, but uh, now includes a good chunk, a good portion of Dorchester, at least Dorchester by the sea, and uh, runs all the way up to the Mass Turnpike in, in the South End. and. Uh, uh, we're talking with all of the candidates, and tonight, uh, joining me to talk about her uh, candidacy is uh, Jennifer Johnson from, uh, of course, uh, the Meeting House Hill section of uh, Dorchester, where she's the president of the uh, Neighborhood Association, Civic Association, Civic, yes. and uh, also on the Main Street's board there. Nice to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, well, I... Open seats don't happen often, and I think Frank Baker's been in there 10, maybe 12 years, mm -hmm. but uh, uh, what made you decide to jump into this race? And 
So a, a couple of things. Um, you know, I've been very active in my neighborhood, um, helping to run the Civic Association and being on the Main Streets Board for over a decade now. So I have been working on housing, public safety, and business development issues in my neighborhood. And I wanted to bring that experience directly to our council seat um, and work on these issues across the district. Um, I also uh, have felt that the city council need somebody who can help bring some civility okay. to the council. And uh, I might be the one most qualified, being that I grew up in Louisiana. And if there's anyone more civil than a woman from Louisiana, I don't know who that is. Um, and, you know, and also I've been in business now for over 25 years, so I've had to learn how to be able to work with everyone mm -hmm. and negotiate. Things, well, so. uh, you know, you've, you've got a big field. You've got a lot of competitors. Mm -hmm. uh, how's the campaign going? And, and uh, tell us what uh, you think will be the key to uh, deciding who moves on to the final. Of course, uh, the top two finishers in the prelim move on to the final in November. But uh, uh, how does Jennifer Johnson get in one of those uh, seats? I get in doing what I've been doing, which is pounding the pavement, yeah. knocking on doors, calling and talking to residents. Mm -hmm. um, I'm doing that myself. And um, I've spoken to quite a few <laughs> thousand folks um, in the district myself. And I think that's how I win. Um, you know, a lot of people in the district appreciate talking to the candidate. Um, they're not used to it. Yeah. Well, uh of course, uh, Frank Baker has uh, kind of made his mark uh, over the years. Uh, he can sometimes be a little cantankerous. I, I think that's fair to say, but uh, certainly, uh, you know, has focused. I, I think it's fair to say on mm -hmm. on neighborhood services and, mm -hmm. and constituent work. Uh, how do you see yourself in the, the mold of a district councilor? Do you um, uh, do you see yourself as the you know the uh, the pothole filler, or <laughs> I'm, I'm being be a little tongue in cheek here. Don't get me wrong, but or a, a larger role for yourself on the council. Well, I, you know, I think. First of all, I think you know being able to provide constituent services is just a baseline. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of take that for granted. And and given that I've been in business for so long, I'm very and, and your business again. I'm sorry. I've sure. Um, so for the last eight years, I've been running my own employee benefits um, business, yeah. work with small businesses um, in Boston. I've been focusing particularly on preschools and daycares because um, they're frequently forgotten on the benefit side. So. Um, but I think, you know, being in business as long as I have, you know, you have to do, you have to service your clients. So I don't think, you know, uh, working with my constituents will be any different. Um, but I hope to have a role in some bigger issues, which I think um, we forget our constituent services. Um, one of the things I want to focus on is some solutions to our housing crisis, because if you don't already own in this city, you're in crisis. Right. I, I already own. I didn't know that 17 years ago when I was able to buy as a single professional woman of 37 that I would probably be one of the last ones in. Mm -hmm. um, 
and it kind I find it heartbreaking when I've been out in the district and have knocked on many doors where I see roommates still who are about the age I was when I was able to buy people living together four, five, six to a unit telling me they have no hope of ever owning and that they can't, they're all working, but they can't even afford their own studio apartment because rents are so expensive. Um, well, the mayor uh, has suggested that, uh, well, I, depending upon who you talk to, what mm -hmm. they call it, whether it's uh, rent control, rent stabilization, or uh, as some have suggested, uh, uh, anti-gouging. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, is that the answer? Or you, well, you I think, say? yeah, I think there are some other answers. And the big question is, will the state even approve that, right? right? Certainly. Um, so, you know, if the state doesn't approve that, I think there are things that we can do at the city level to more quickly build and look at ways to um, help decrease cost. Mm -hmm. I you know one of the things I've seen um, in in my area since I've been running, mm -hmm. helping to run the Civic yeah, for so long. Meeting House Hill is yeah, we have development going oh on there, gosh. and I've seen the city process that's been put in play over decades, really. Um, it's not uncommon, even for projects where they're looking to put in 10 to 30 units. These are not massive projects, but it can take four to five years for these developers before they can even put a shovel in the ground. Um, that's not going to help us solve this housing crisis. And we have to acknowledge the fact that we're never going to have enough public money to build all of the affordable housing we need. So we have to have a better public-private partnership, we've got to figure out how we shrink that process because that just keeps cost higher okay. for developers and then of course they have to What's pass that on. What's the key to that in your opinion? Um, I think one thing we should look at doing in the city is right now the, you know, it's like the community process and the BPDA process are on two different tracks. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think they should be on one track. I think the neighborhood, the city, and the developers, from the get-go, the process should be everybody at the table at once. Um, I've seen this recently on a project in our neighborhood where the developer came out, got our approval for what we liked, and that was like a two, two and a half, three-year process right there, went in front of the BPDA, and the BPDA was basically encouraging them to do something else and then they had to come back to us and say well this is kind of what the city wants yeah. now and you know i think that's unfair to to the developer and the neighborhood right mm -hmm. and it's not again it's not helping us move housing mm -hmm. forward which right. we need so well, i think it would be better if we like mm -hmm. if if we figured out a process so the city the neighborhood, the developer, we're all at the table at the same time and we can lay out everybody's concerns at once and kind of negotiate from there. And I think that would really help streamline the process. Well, you know, and this is no surprise to you because you've been active in your neighborhood. Not everybody wants more development either. And there's, mm -hmm. there's resistance, there's pushback to some sure. of that. Uh, how do you overcome that and convince people uh, how important that is to, to I think there are a lot more people who realize we're in a crisis than we think. I mean, I've certainly gone out into areas of the district where there are lots of homeowners. 
they're solid because they're homeowners, but when I talk about the crisis to them, they go, oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like my kids can't live here. Yeah. Or um, my nephew and nieces can't live here. Or yeah, my nephew is still is 38 and is still living with four other guys as roommates because mm -hmm. none of them can afford their own apartment. It's so expensive. So um, I think people, a lot of people realize there is a pricing crisis, and I think it's just a matter of talking it out with people. And I think, you know, one thing I would propose, because nobody, you know, who's living in a residential street that's mostly single or duplex or three-deckers, right, wants a project to come in that's 20 units on their street, right? right. It kind of shakes everything right. up. I would like to see um, more of our development happening along our commercial thoroughfares. You drive down Dorchester Ave and there are still many one and two story commercial buildings. Mm -hmm. I'd like to be working with those property owners and build up. I'd like to try and put more housing. More mixed use. Mi yeah. More mi create, really make our commercial thoroughfares mixed use thoroughfares, right? right? Yeah. And build up and try and take some of the pressure off of the res re the real residential mm -hmm. streets, right? So that um, you know we're we're trying to build up and not necessarily mm -hmm. so much on the residential zones. Well, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of people uh, see as well that we're approaching the crisis point. And all you have to do is, uh, of course, uh, there's other factors there, but look at uh, Mass and Cass, which mm -hmm. I believe is also in in it's in, in that, District in Three, that District yes, Three. Uh, uh, what do you think of the city's approach to that? Are they taking the right approach? Uh, uh, Ed Flynn, of course, is uh, acting mayor and for at least a couple more, you know, or, or <laughs> has been, I should say, I think it was last week. Uh, 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 but, uh, you know, is, is suggesting that it's gotten out of control down mm -hmm. there. And uh, there's a lot of suggestions, but not much seems to be happening. There was some additional housing that was built transitional housing that was built, but uh, I, I, you know, just kind of keeps, uh, keeps filling, filling back yeah. up happening. What, what would you like to see uh, happen there? What's your approach to that? Well, I think, um, I think two things, and I, I don't quite yet know how we do it, and I don't know that this is all on the city, but mm -hmm. I think we need, we've got the carrot approach we don't have the stick approach. And I think we need to have both there because some people will respond to the carrots and some will only respond to the stick, right? So we need to be able to have both mm -hmm. options in play. Um, the other thing that I'm hearing from service providers is the issue we're having at Mass and Cass is we, we have built some of this housing. People are getting into detox, but what we're really not giving people is the longer term support they need to really overcome their addiction. And for many out on Mass and Cass, they have underlying mental health issues or they have underlying trauma um, and they've been using um, opioids to self-medicate. And so I would like to propose that we put more funding into helping to get people, you know, if it's six months, a year, two years mm -hmm. of counseling um, that they need to, to help them overcome um, their addictions. Um, 
I think ultimately, you know, they talk about harm reduction, you right. know, being the clean needles. Ultimately, the true harm reduction will be helping people mm -hmm. um, overcome their addictions. Well, some have suggested, uh, well, uh, among other things, that uh, police sweeps, and et cetera, et cetera, but uh, just bringing in bulldozers and clearing, clearing it all out, is that too drastic of an action? Well, you know, here's the thing. We can do that, and, but the people who've got these issues are still going to be somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Maybe they're not on mass and casts. Maybe they move, more people move to Bowdoin Street mm -hmm. or they move to Ashmont Station, right? right. I'm, already, I'm already hearing from folks in the district that um, you know, the Ashmont area is, is becoming, um, people aren't feeling safe there anymore. You know, in, in Bowdoin Street, there has been, in, in my neighborhood, um, although maybe slightly out of my district, but right there, um, there's, we've seen an uptick in um, you know, folks hanging out all day and night, open air drug yep, dealing. Yep. So you know, yes, we can do that, but I think it just means people are gonna move somewhere else, right? They have to. So I think, yeah, I mean, we still have to come up with the longer term mm. solutions. And I do think, because I've talked to a number of EMTs who've told me that a lot of people at Mass and Cass, not only are they not from Boston or the surrounding towns, many of them are from out of state. So I feel like as a city, we need to start going to the federal government and saying, look, we've become a hub because we offer treatment, so we need, you guys need to get us money because we're treating people from Maine and New Hampshire. And the state, we're treating people who are really from Quincy or Braintree or Brookline, right? So we need to make sure we're getting funding sources yeah, from other. Make it other, more of a regional approach. Make it to more it. of a regional uh, approach. We've got just a few minutes left, and I, I want to ask you about this. Uh, 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 this uh, as far as the city council, some people would, uh, uh, I think probably wondering why you would want to serve on the uh, city council. It's been uh, uh, very, you know, kind of uh, contentious. Tense, contentious, <laughs> and I think I'm being kind there. You got the word, uh, uh, but uh, some, you know, and downright nasty at times. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, what do you say about that? Are you are you ready for that? You ready to, you know, jump in with the. Uh, uh, lions and tigers and bears. Or where or? I'm from originally, the yeah. alligators. <laughs> the alligators. <laughs> there you go. Although tigers too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, I mean, I think I'm at a point in my life where, you know, it, listen, if somebody's going to be um, un uncivil to me, I'm just going to let it roll off mm. my back. Mm. Um, you know, when I'm in there, I look at it as I, I will be treating everyone with civility, whether I agree with their policy positions, whether I like them or not. They are an elected official. They were elected by their constituents. And I think that that deserves respect. Um, as to, you know, underneath it all, why? I don't I grew up in, my father was a World War II vet. I grew up in Louisiana, so I had, so many different members of my family who served in the military. Um, my mother was a longtime Democratic activist in the area I grew up in. Um, and, you know, women on my mother's side of the family were teachers for generations. So there was just this 
sense growing up that uh, the, the household I grew up in that it was a requirement for you to serve yeah. your community in some way. So um, I'm ready to serve District 3. Yeah, regardless, uh, come what may, right? Well, uh, you know, there's some people that would say that uh, the council was gone, you know, too far to the left. Uh, mm. And it wasn't so many years ago that they said it's too, too far, far to, to the, the right. right. Yeah. So uh, do you see that? And do you think it's, uh, uh, have they gotten to the point of where they're, you know, becoming ineffective because of, you know, kind of extreme elements there? Or? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily, you know, being ineffective because of extreme elements. I think it's more ineffective because they're not having constructive conversations with each other. Mm. Um, and as to where I would fall on the council, you know, I know that there are proposals that will be put out there by the more, I guess people would say the more progressive counselors. I'm sure without a doubt there will be some that I support. There will be others that I will say, uh, you know, from talking to people in my district, I don't, this is not, what they would support. Mm -hmm. um, and could we maybe adjust it this way, right? So, but it's, to me, it's about having those conversations and that's how you become effective. Um, because if, at the end of the day, if you don't have enough counselors on board to get something passed, then you don't have enough counselors mm -hmm. on board to get right. something passed. So, um, you know, I see myself as somebody who would be more. Well, um, a lot of the divisiveness seemed to at least start uh, during the whole redistricting process. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, some of that, including uh, then some uh, a map that was put forward. Did that uh, changes in the map affect you in any way? Uh, were you always in District 3? Would you regardless have been in District 3? Yes. Uh, yeah. and, and anyway, lawsuits and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera, and the you know, judge stepped in. Does that, uh, how, does, how important is it to so-called keep uh, Dorchester whole? Because a part of that was moving parts of, I think primarily Lower Mills back into uh, District 3, and uh, mm -hmm. how did you see that playing out, and how do you deal with that when it comes up? Um, well, first of all, I do think that any time you're asking elected officials basically to select their own voters, you, which <laughs> you're is asking, what... Asking for trouble? Uh, right, yeah. yeah, I think, and that's, whether that's here in the city of Boston or whether that's, you know, at state levels or it, it doesn't matter. I think ultimately we should have um, an independent um, council or advisory group that's independent of the city council to determine um, in the next 10 years, right? Because this has to be done every 10 years. You have a new census, right. you have to redistrict. That's the way it works. Um, no matter how much people like it or not, that's how it works. Yeah. So um, I don't think it would be a bad idea just to have independent um, decisions on that. Because like I said, it's, it's tough and it's contentious when you have the people who are, you know, being put into office, um, basically selecting who their voters will be. Well, that's definitely caused some uh, hard feelings. Uh, 
Again, Jennifer Johnson is running for District 3 Boston City Council. What's uh, uh, preliminary election is coming up September 12th. Uh, we've got just uh, you know a minute or so left, and uh, um, so how do you break through that pack? How do you get through into the top two? What's what's the key? What will determine who wins this race? I I really think at the end of the day, it's going to be about voter contact, mm -hmm. and I'm prepared for that. I've been doing that. I will continue doing that mm -hmm. until election day. So um, I think that will be a large part of what ultimately decides this election. Um, has, uh, and I also wanted to ask you about uh, if you're elected, will you be able, how will you be able to work with, uh, for instance, Mayor Wu and uh, other elected officials? Do you feel that you're uh, prepared to do that? Absolutely. Okay. I've actually um, known Mayor Wu for many years because I've been um, active on my ward committee so um, I and we both worked on Elizabeth Warren's first campaign together um, so I've known her for many years I respect her I don't necessarily agree with everything she does but I'm not one of those folks who's going to make public announcements you know I would always work behind the scenes with her um, on anything that you know I might disagree on well, we want to wish you the best of luck. Uh, again, uh, Jennifer Johnson running for District 3 Boston City Council. Thanks for coming in tonight. Thank you so much uh, for having uh, me. No problem. Uh, we're out of time. Unfortunately, we're out of time for tonight. Uh, you're watching Talk to the Neighborhoods here on the Boston Neighborhood Network. Uh, we'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, for the entire staff and crew here at BNN, have a pleasant evening. Good night. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to the Boston Neighborhood Network at 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Mass., 02119. Attention WBCA LP 102.9 FM. If you would like to arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3241 or email us at radio at bnntv.org.